Last week, um, actually, this is the last week of the year, and so um, many of you, I believe, are dealing with certain situations in your life where, you know, you received a promise from God, maybe at the beginning of the year, and then everything began to shift and change for a lot of us. Most people in this room, those that are watching us, had a really tough year this year. And, um, and at the same point, God gave you a promise, but you haven't quite seen that promise yet play out or come to pass. Or maybe you have, but you just haven't recognized it yet. I know uh, for me this year, in particular, probably having Christmas was even more special because of my grandkids. And so it's a little bit different, you know, because it really becomes about them, you know. And so we had picked out some gifts. Actually, I should say grandma, <laughs> Lolly as we call her, picked out the gifts for the grandkids, especially for Ami, because Ami is the one that's going to be able to open them up. She's at the age of two, or she can do that. And so, but here she is, and she had these presents under the tree, and they were wrapped up, and they were special, and they were incredible, and we knew as the grandparents exactly what she was going to be getting. And so she knew she had presents to unwrap, and she was excited about it. She just didn't know what she was going to get yet. And I'm just here to tell you, sometimes God will give you a promise. He'll wrap it up real nice for you. And at the same point, doesn't necessarily give it to you right away, but you know there is an appointed time for you to get that present unwrapped. Somebody say amen. And this morning's all about encouraging you that there was a set time and is a set time for all God has promised you. And the title of my message is From Time to Time. Father, we love you and honor you in this moment. And thank you so very much, Lord God, for your presence in this place. Lord, thank you for the word that goes forth even now, Lord God. As we prayed just a moment ago about a recommitment in the new year, Lord God, let there also be a commitment to your word like never before that we may hear the prophetic word of God and respond to it accordingly, we pray in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said a big amen. And amen, and amen. Mary and Martha were very close to, actually Lazarus, their brother as well, were very close to Jesus. Matter of fact, Jesus considered them his friends. And most of you know the story about how Jesus was um, summoned by a friend of Mary and Martha. And he was in the middle of ministry. And in the middle of the ministry, the man said, you must come because Mary and Martha are asking for you to come because their brother Lazarus is sick and he is dying. And if you don't come, he will die. And then you read the rest of the story. Jesus doesn't really respond back that we're aware of in the story, but we know that he continues on to, um, to uh, minister in the city that he was in. He doesn't rechart a course. He completes the task of the assignment that he believes he's on, and he begins to minister to the rest of the people. So it had been another three, four days before Jesus actually showed up to go to the house of Mary and Martha. By the way, again, they're friends. By the way, again, they are uh, people that have ate in one another's homes. They're very close. And yet Jesus, who they were sure would drop everything and just go and minister to their brother, did not. He continued on course to that ministry, but then made his way four days later. When he comes to their area, um, Martha sees him from afar, goes to him and says, Jesus, it's too late. How many knows it's never too late when Jesus shows up? Jesus, it's too late. And, 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 and he, she, he said, she said to him, you know, um, had you been here uh, four days ago, like we asked, I know my brother would be well, but you came too late and therefore he is dead. Matter of fact, his body surely is 
decomposing and stinketh by now, the Bible says. And um, so he says, he said, bring me to him. So she takes him to, to, on his way, and then she, he runs into Martha and Mary. And Mary says the same thing. Lord, had you been here, my brother would not have died. And he said, if you would believe, I am the resurrection and the life. Only believe. And she said, lead me to him. And so they led him to Lazarus. And when they got to the tomb of Lazarus, he was there, quieted the people, and said, Lord, for their sake, let them see who I am and who you are. Lazarus, come forth. And the Bible says that Lazarus came up out of that, that, that tomb, that grave, and he was bound from head to toe with all the wrappings around his body. And he said, now loose him and let him go. An absolute bona fide miracle happened. And some would say, well, you know, he missed this opportunity. But even though it may look like all is over and there's no way God can possibly do a miracle for you, he is the resurrection and he is alive. Somebody say amen. And he can cause it. Even though it looks over, God has a time in mind for your miracle. Somebody say amen. Now let me ask you a question. Does God just do miracles from time to time? Before you answer, does God just do miracles from time to time? The answer is yes. You might be surprised by my answer because we have a church named Faith Builders. We believe all things are possible. Does God do miracles from time to time? Yes. There is a miracle in progress from the time God gives you a promise to the time God grants you that promise. It's from time to time. Someone say amen. God doesn't give you a breakthrough every now and again, but he will do it from time to time. Listen, our God will favor you every time, all the time, from time to time. He restores the brokenhearted from time to time. He heals the sick from time to time. He offers hope to the hopeless from time to time. He saves the sinner from time to time. Our God is never late. He's always on time from time to time. Somebody say yes. So if the miracle happens from time to time, then we need to know in the meantime how to react. And how we do that is something called patience. Everybody say patience. Turn your neighbor and say, he's talking about you now. Yes. Your promise is going to require your patience. Let me say that again. Your promise is going to require your patience. Let me tell you what patience isn't. Patience isn't waiting. Patience is really how we act while we wait. Everybody's going to wait, but some people don't wait very patiently. And when you don't wait patiently, the promise can't come to you. But those who walk by faith and not by sight are not rattled by the things they see or their present circumstances. Somebody say yes. So patience is how I act. Patience defined as this. It's the capacity to accept or tolerate delay, trouble, or suffering without getting angry or upset. It's not giving in to the problem. It's not saying that, you know, uh, this is the way it's going to end up and be. It's saying that while I'm waiting, I'm not going to be angry. I'm not going to get upset. I'm not going to allow the devil to steal the promise from me. I'm not going to get in an area of doubt. I'm going to stay the course because I know my God will grant me a miracle from the time he promises to the time he delivers it. He's a God of time from time. How many have already blown that this year already? Praise God. Got a little upset. Got a little bit angry. Got a little bit impatient. Y'all don't want to hear my stories. Praise God. 
I got all kinds of stories, mostly in traffic. I don't know what the devil does to me in traffic. And I'll never forget that time when I was, uh, we were here, had a great service. It was years ago. Had a great service, and God was doing great things that Sunday. And, and, um, and so, you know, we decided to take the family out to eat that, uh, that afternoon. And that night, we'd all, we had our Accelerate Youth Group, is what it was called in those days. And so that was on Sunday night. And so my kids would be here. They were younger then. They were either working it or they were actually in it. I can't remember which, but it was, it was years ago. And, uh, and so they, uh, we went out to eat, and we are going to come back, relax, and they were going to have their church service later that day. And so had a great service. Everything was good until we came into traffic right around Chuck E. Cheese. On, is that on Chase? And it, we, there, was a, there was a fair going on. And they had all the, you know, the traffic, it was, bound, it was backed up and people and it was just packed and they had the fair and the, and, the, and, the, um, and the parking lot there. And so I wanted to get through. I was tired. I wanted to get back, you know. I preached Beloit and Milwaukee, three services that day. I was ready to get, you know, home and my belly was full. Hallelujah. So I'm, I'm driving all of a sudden this guy, I'm just about to inch forward just to get, get to the light and the guy comes in and cuts me off. All, he was all, he had like a BMW and it was all, it was all like uh, uh, blacked out. You know, you couldn't see inside. And so it ticked me off bad. I forgot I was a Christian for about two seconds, actually a little longer than that. And, and so now I'm mad. So I'm thinking, any chance I get, I'm going to cut that sucker off. Well, I was able to. I got around him around the lane and then I went high like this. Boom, got in front of him. Y'all look at me like you've never, ever done such a thing. Am I preaching good? I may not be preaching good, but I'm telling the truth. And so I cut him off. And then we did this leapfrog thing for about, you know, half a mile. And we're cutting one another off. Finally, he gets ahead of me. I get up around him. And now we're going to be, oh, yeah, we're going to be right, right together at the red light. And I'm ready for it. I rolled down my window. I'm ready. I'm about to tell this guy, you know. And so all of a sudden, he rolled his window down. And when he rolled his window down, it just happened to be the guy that me and Pastor Ruben for the last six months have been witnessing to who was a store owner, Middle Eastern guy, store owner, telling them all about Jesus. And here it is, the preacher who got people saved that day, preached three times. Y'all don't want to hear this. Feeling good about what God has done, saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost. Looked at him, and I didn't even care at that moment. I said, man, you cut me off. He goes, no, my friend, I think you cut me off. I said, oh, no. He was laughing like crazy, and I was still mad, you know, but I was embarrassed all at the same time. You know how you can't stop yourself? Now you're on go. You just got to go all the way over the edge, praise God. And then I was like, I'm so sorry. He goes, it's okay, my friend. So in other words, I've learned. Come on, y'all. Be very careful in your, mo- your heat of the moment because of your impatience can get you in trouble. Somebody say amen. Luke 21, 19 says, by your patience, possess your souls. By your patience, possess your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions. When we don't get what we want, when we want, we get emotional about it. We get angry, we get sad, we get discouraged, we become depressed, depressed, we become whatever, we become emotional and sometimes begin to act like little babies, grown up adults, acting like little children, stomping our feet because God didn't give us what we thought he should have given us by now. Let me tell you how God, according to scripture, actually moves in our lives. There are two ways he moves. Number one is this. Number one is quickly and suddenly. I like that part. But number two is slowly and little by little. 
I can tell you that it's almost always first, slowly, come on, little by little, and then from time to time, there's a suddenly. As a matter of fact, I want to prophesy as I was putting this together a couple days ago and started, I never preached this before in my life, and I said, this is incredible, Lord, from time to time, and I heard the Lord say, and tell my people that have been waiting long enough, I'm about to do some suddenlies in their life. You've been moving from time to time. You've been moving from the promise, and now God's about to give you the provision of the promise. Somebody say amen. And by the way, you look at some people and see you see the miraculous, or you see, you see the success, and you think, wow, they became a success overnight. But you don't know it was 10 years in the making. You don't know the tears they cried. You don't know the agony. You don't know the relationships it cost them. Come on, somebody. But when God moves, when God begins to move, everybody's going to know God is on your side. And time ain't nothing to God. It'll be in a moment, in a blink of an eye. Everything's about to change. And I prophesy over you, you're about to have your suddenly. Come on. That's what happened to Joseph. I said, that's what happened to Joseph. Joseph was in pit, the pit. Then he was lied to and put in the prison. And now he's, he's just dying and wasted in the prison. But God knew. And the hand of the Lord was upon Joseph. And the Bible says in about in just, a, just a moment's time, everything shifted in his life. He went from a time of wondering if it will ever come to pass to all of a sudden he's the right-hand man in charge of all of Egypt. I'm telling you, we got a God who can turn your situation around and give you a suddenly. Suddenlies are granted by the faithfulness of the patient. Suddenlies are granted by the faithfulness of the patient. And by the way, patience is a fruit of the spirit. It's proof of the root. The fruit is always proof of the root. So when you're connected to God, you're going to have patience. When you're disconnected from God, you're going to lack patience. And patience is what's necessary for suddenlies. Deuteronomy 7.22 says this, and the Lord your God will drive out those nations from before you little by little. God deals with the enemy little by little. You will be unable to destroy them at once lest the beasts of the field become too numerous for you. When God begins to work, it's, it's hardly ever all one big swoop and everything's changed. He begins to make changes little by little, driving out the enemy in your life little by little that you're able to handle the success that he wants to bring you in this life. Somebody say amen to this. My wife, I overheard her, and she was um, doing a, a ta her taping for the children's ministry. Those that don't know, especially with kids, we have, like today, uh, it'll premiere, and you'll see uh, the children's ministry is completely uploaded for you to, you know, to use at your leisure with your kids. Sit down, the computer or the TV screen, those that are watching me, especially you, amen. It's, it's a blessing, and we're hearing a lot of great feedback from it, and my children... Um, Olivia and Max put a lot of time into this too. So you will be blessed by it. Your children will definitely be blessed by it. But my wife has a little segment she does in it. And, um, and I overheard her doing their taping and she was talking to the kids about how she crochets. And, and by the way, crocheting is not for me, praise God. It's, it requires a lot more patience than I actually have. But, and uh, probably should do it. Probably make me have even more patience. You know, I could actually work on a little more. But I mean, anyway, so she's, and she's talking about how, she goes, you know, starts with one row. 
And if you don't give up and keep just adding to it one row after the next, after the next, and you do that for several days in a row or over a month, span, whatever, sooner or later you will finish. And then I think she holds up the, the finished pro- project of her um, blanket she's, make, she's making for my granddaughter. And so... My point is, I thought that was so cool uh, that we're, we're teaching the children about being patient. And if we just understand that when God does something, it's little by little. It's like crocheting. It's one row, then the next row. And if you look back over 12 months, you go, oh my goodness, look what the Lord has done. I was expecting this divine, supernatural heaven came forth. This is my beloved son, whom I will please. Or something supernatural, like our lightning out of heaven. But I noticed, Lord God, I'm not at the same place I was. Something is changing in my life, little by little. Church, God is not slow, but he is methodical. In other words, he knows what to put in the right places at the right time. And let's be honest, we want what we want, when we want it. And if, we, and if it doesn't work out for us when we think, we start to develop our own plan. And that's where things get out of control in our life. When we stop listening to God and how God wants to do it, and we decide we know better than God because he's not working fast enough for us. So let's go ahead and make it happen because after all, God would really want me to have this anyways. And we start to develop our own plan. This is exactly what happened to Abraham when God had given him a promise. And the promise was you're going to have a son. You and your wife, Sarah, will have us bear a son. And you will become a father of multitude and a father of a nation. And um, it didn't happen. And it didn't happen. And it didn't happen. And you know, he's not getting younger. He, she's not getting younger. They're already advanced in years. And he knows he's heard the Lord. He knows he's got this promise. It's burning inside him, but it's not happen, happening to him at the time frame that he wants it to happen. And I'm not blaming Abraham because I'm telling you, I don't know that I could have handled that either. But, but he has a promise, and so he decides, under the permission of his wife, to go ahead and says, what if I uh, was able to uh, lie with one of our handmaidens, one of your handmaidens, and um, she become pregnant, and then basically she's a surrogate mother and gives us the baby, and we'll raise the babies our own. Surely God would bless that. And so she said, go ahead and do that. And so he did. She became pregnant, and, and the Bible says that God did bless this, this child named Ishmael, but he said, but it's not what I promised you. This is not what I've asked of you. I told you what I'm going to do, and you got to stick to the plan. Your plan's not my plan. Your ways are not my ways. Your thoughts are not my thoughts. They're higher than yours. They're better than yours. They're more strategic than yours. They're more fruitful than yours. And the Bible says that, 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 that of course, Sarah becomes pregnant, has Isaac as a child. We talked a little bit about that last week. And, and so my, my point is, is this, is that the Bible talks about that there's enmity between Ishmael and Isaac's children. And that still, that, that conflict in the Middle East is still going on to this day. You have people that, that are Muslims that, are, that claim Ishmael, Abraham's their father, but also Ishmael's their father. And of course, those are Abraham and the Jews, their father, and also Isaac. And there's still this conflict in the Middle East to this day. That's us trying to do what we can do. And all it does is end up rocking the boat and making everything worse and making a big mess of things. Proverbs 16, 25 says, there's a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. I'm trying to get you to understand that walking in 2021, we're going to have to really trust him. Yes, work while it's day. And I believe you should work, but not, don't do what God doesn't require. Don't make up your own rules. Don't get your own plan and your own agenda and say, Lord, bless what I'm doing. I said, don't ask God to bless what you're doing. Tell yourself, I'm going to do what God has blessed and nothing more. 
because my way ends in death, even though it may seem right to me. That's why you, single people, not picking on you at all, but that's why you can't just be picking people you like. Well, of course I won't pick someone like. Uh-huh, I understand that. But you've not been real good at your picking. So, number one, trust God. Because just because they look good, by the way, take a picture with the filter. Because 20 years from now, you're supposed to still be married to them. 30 years from now, I've been married for 34 years, praise God. I couldn't believe, how, do you, how did I get here? I don't know. Time is here. This is what happens, right? And I thank God I married a beautiful woman, but I'm just here to tell you that neither one of us looked the way we did when we were in our 20s. Shocking, isn't it? And so we, you don't marry because you think they look good or they got the right shape or they say the right phrases because all that goes away. You marry the one God chooses for. You fall in love with them. You say to death do us part and you have a commitment with them and they will be all of that. You're going to love them. They're, they're going to have what you like. But my point is you don't make that the priority. That's not priority number one. And that's why marriages fail left and right within four to five years because they pick for themselves. They had a plan, but that was not God's plan for their life. Amen. Amen. Am I right? So, one of the ways we stay submitted to the Lord is to be patient for him to reveal his plans. I submit to you, I, I, I'm not Lord of my life. You're Lord of my life. And so I'm interested in what are your plans for me? Because I can do certain things. You've given me certain skill set, and I, I, I have I can do. But, Lord, I realize that my way is going to end at some point. Your ways are for eternal. Look what it says, eternity. Uh, Proverbs chapter 16, verse 9. A man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. Amen? I'm, who's looking for God's direction this year? Enough of our plans. Look, I am so, I'm, we didn't have all the answers. I never saw Corona coming, shutting down businesses and churches. I never saw any of this happening. Uh, people dying, passing away. Um, I, I never saw, any, I, not, I'm not saying I saw that. But I'm so glad that we, there were certain things that we did in prayer that put certain things in place for us to have a successful year in 2021, even though God didn't tell me why, I was just obedient to do what God asked me to do. You were obedient as a church to do what God, you trusted me, and we put those things in place and look what the Lord has done. We've had a, we've had a successful year. Even though it's been a different year, you can't count your success like you did in years previous, but certainly God has been with this church and God has moved upon his people and we've seen, seen it happen in our church. This has been the biggest year of growth for our church. In the history of our church, you say, well, I look around, there's less people here, less people here physically, but it has grown tremendously online, and we're not talking about just once in a while, we're talking about consistent thousands of people watching this every single week, and, and we know it's about to grow even further. I'm running to people all the time. I watch you online. My son was talking about, so he was at a family gathering. And someone that's on the other side of the family said, just want to let you know, I recognize you when it came in. 
how do you recognize me? He said, we watch the church, Faith Builders, every Sunday, and when I saw your face, I saw you're the guy who does the announcements on the screen. He goes, well, my dad's the preacher of the church. No way. And I want, we want, and my wife and I, every single Sunday, they don't come here, but they watch the ministry. That ought to do something for your heart to say, God's touching people. So our plans had to meet to come into his plan so that he could provide for us, but in a brand new way. God always knows what's going to happen next. There's a law in the spirit called the law of sowing and reaping or what we call seed time harvest. Seed, seed, seed plus time equals a harvest. Everyone wants to reap, but two things are required for reaping. Number one, the sowing. And number two, time. Time is required. In most situations, God requires us to plant a seed, whether that be prayer, act of obedience of some kind. And then what happens is we must then what? Walk out in patience until we receive, that's the time part, until we receive the harvest part. And so when we plant seeds of kindness, seeds financially, seeds of love, uh, seeds of relationship, uh, you name it, everything we do, in a seed of, obedient, of some, obedience of some kind, when we do that, watch this, we should do it with expectation. So when I plant the seed, I have expectation. In other words, I don't plant it and boom, the harvest comes right out of the ground immediately, right? I recognize that when I plant the seed, that's the season of sowing. But then it's got to go through the season of what? Growing or maturing. And then it goes through what? The season of harvest, right? Seed, time, harvest. And I found out that when I don't have expectation, I grow weary in doubt through time. Time will wear you out. Time will wear you down. And so because it, you're just not seeing what you want to see. And so what happens is we go, well, we know where the seed is, and we go back and we start digging the seed up. What I mean by digging the seed up is we stop doing what God has asked us to do. And then we don't know why we're not receiving a harvest because we get too impatient and we want things right now. James 5, 7 says, therefore be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until he receives it, until it receives the early and the latter rain. So the farmer church plants his seed. He keeps weeds from choking its growth. He keeps enemies out from destroying it or picking the crop uh, under, you know, in the darkness. He waters it. He makes sure that the sun shines. There's no shade over it, that the sun is able to shine right upon it. And he waits for the harvest. Then he keeps that going as a routine every single day. Matter of fact, Mark 4, 27, put it up on the screen, guys. It says, and should sleep by night and rise by day. So once the farmer plants the seed, watch this, the routine is he goes to sleep and he rises by day. He does not go out there with a flashlight, dig up the earth and say, how's that seed doing right now? He, 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 he has committed it. Did you see that? He has committed it to the earth, and the earth knows what to do. So once your seed has been planted in faith, whatever it is in an act of obedience, it knows what to do. And so he, has to, he goes to sleep, and he rises by day, and the seed should sprout and grow. He himself does not know how. He does not know how. He doesn't need to know how. You don't know how God's going to give you the breakthrough. So why are you trying to chart it out? Why are you trying to plan it? 
How are you going to make? So in other words, God's, God's way of doing it is his way of doing it. It's almost like that Christmas present on the tree. I know it's there for me. I just don't know what's in it yet. It's like a surprise. And so when we try to do it to say, here's the end game. Here's how we feel God's going to, or how I feel God's going to do it. We almost always miss it. Oh, we're so close, but we're just not quite understanding how God's about to do it. If you look back and just look, look over and just even in the news and go, I never thought that was going to happen. But look, these two events took place and those two events shifted this. And as a result of that, this is the outcome. I could have never saw that coming. COVID being one of them. So I say amen to that, right? So the farmer has to do what? He, he has a routine. Get in your routine of faith. Trusting God, being at peace, filled with joy, knowing I planted the seed. That's all that's required of me. Now all I got to do is just believe and have expectation or expectancy that these things are going to happen. It's a routine. So we, as the people of God, need to pray from time to time and not once in a while. We need to give from time to time and not here and there. We need to walk by faith from time to time and not ever so often. We need to trust our God from time to time and not off and on. Everybody say it's about time. Say it's about time. Look, our impatience can produce things in our life that, you know what, we wish would have never happened. If we just rested in God and said, Lord, from the moment that I'm, I'm in the middle of time to time, I'm going to rest in you knowing it's going to take place. Have you ever experienced buyer's remorse? You ever bought something? Oh, Lord, why did I buy this? Amen. Car, that's a pretty big deal, right? And some of y'all, you just could eke out the payment, and one thing happens, boy, two months into that payment process, and now you're having a hard time paying that car note. That's called buyer's remorse. That new car smell does go away. Hallelujah. But it sure is nice. It is nice. Um, I see these uh, Facebook ads sponsored on Facebook, and they got crazy stuff that people buy. Crazy, weird stuff. I actually saw an ad. I, I kid you not. You probably saw it. I thought, this is the dopiest thing I've ever seen in my entire life, and people are going to spend money on this thing, and it's something they've been doing for 70 years. X-ray glasses. X-ray glasses. And they got the, they're taking the glasses, and they're showing, they have the camera, and they're going, look at You can see right through their tennis shoe. Who wants to see through somebody's tennis shoe anyways? X-ray glasses, and they're going to they're gonna get millions of dollars from people who believe they can have glasses. Come on, that would be the biggest buyer's remorse ever in the history of mankind. But every 15-year-old boy would like to have a pair. Hallelujah. Watch your son when he gets whatever he gets in the mail. If they're glasses, you know what he's trying to do. Or 35-year-old husband. We caught you. Caught you. Church, we don't have to run ahead of God. He knows the proper timing for what we need. First Peter 5, 7 says, Therefore humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you when? When? In due time or due season even. Casting all your care upon him for he cares for you. There is a due time. It may look like it's never going to happen, but there's a due time. 
It may appear like it's never going to work out, but there's a due time. It may look like it's over, but there's a due time. God is going to work it out in his time from time to time. Somebody say yes. First Peter also said, cast your cares upon him for he cares for you. How many times, how often are we making this difficult decisions by allowing care to be our priority rather than what thus says the Lord, what God has said? And when we get wrapped up in our care, we make emotional decisions because what we want is to get that, that, that we want to get that, 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 that depression or discouragement off of us, that feeling we have. We want to get it off at all costs. And so we make decisions based on that rather than what God has said in his word. Isaiah 30, verse 1. Woe to the rebellious children, says the Lord, who take counsel but not of me and who devise plans but not of my spirit. They may add sin to sin, uh, that they may add sin to sin, who walk to go down to Egypt. That's a type of the world. Egypt is world. And, and not, uh, not have, have asked my advice to strengthen themselves in the strength of Pharaoh. That's a type of Satan. And to trust in the shadow of Egypt. Therefore, the strength of Pharaoh shall be your shame. And trust in the shadow of Egypt shall be your humiliation. He said, you've done all this. You, you went the way of the world. You sought the world's advice. You tried to get the enemy's advice. Why would you do that? He said, you never asked me my advice. You never asked me what I thought about it. You never asked me, do, do, Lord, is this what you want from my life? The Bible says, once we know what God has said to us and gotten his advice, the Bible says, even though it hasn't happened yet, he says what? When you take a stand, stand therefore. When you stand for God, stand therefore, immovable, unshakable. I will not allow the devil to get me off of where I'm supposed to be. I'm staying right where I'm supposed to be, no matter what it seems. And that pressure comes on because that time thing, that time thing will begin to wear on you. It's never going to happen. I just need to start. I need to go do this. I got to, I got to, I, mean, I want to get out of this town. I want to get out of this city. It's so bad. I'm thinking, I tell myself all the time, why would people say that every city is bad? The problem with this, the, the, the cities are that the Christians won't rise up and become what they're called to be. Again, we're trying to make emotional decisions based on things that are happening within our communities, and every community's got the issue. I used to say all the time, man, God, the God's calling me to California until I started finding out everybody in California wants to leave. Fires and earthquakes, and uh, they got a real problem with the homelessness, and what's happening out there, and it seems like leadership is just not found there. Uh, they shut them down for all this. These businesses are losing their, their, their business. They're losing their, their, all their money, everything. And so people are leaving. A lot of them are leaving to Texas, praise God, and trying to go somewhere else where they can be more prosperous. My point is, is that, see, even Sunday California's got its problems. So when are we going to start saying, God, what, what is it that, where is it you want me to be and, where, and what is it you want me to do? And if you already know that, then take a stand. Stand right there. Hebrews 10.36 says, for you, have not, for you have need of endurance. That means patience. So after you've done the will of God, after you've done what God asked you to do, you may or will receive what? The promise. So we need faith and patience in order to receive the promises of God. There is an appointed time for that miracle. There is an appointed time for that breakthrough, for that business, for that, that relationship. There's an appointed time. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says, he has made everything beautiful in its time. And to me, if I take that the opposite approach, 
If it's beautiful in its time, it's got to be ugly out of its time. We fight against God's timing. But honestly, if I've got an appointment at three o'clock tomorrow at this particular place and I show up at one o'clock, it doesn't change the appointment, right? But I've got, to be, I've got to do what? I've got to be patient then and I've got to wait till my appointment comes. I can't be jumping ahead. They're not going to take me in, right? No matter how much I try to beg and, and squall, this is my appointment. This is what I agreed to, right? So I know that I've got to be patient. I have to wait for the appointment time. The truth is there's a strong chance that you may not discern the season that you are in. And, and therefore you want to run ahead of God. It's hard to reap a harvest in a sowing season. It's not the time for harvest, it's time for sowing. And when it's the time for harvest, it will be that time too. Amen. Remember, we move from faith to faith, from glory to glory, and as we're learning today, from time to time. From the time of the promise to the time of the provision of the promise. And church, even in your giving and in receiving in your finances, God has seasons and assignments that are attached to the seed. Your giving is like a seed that carries an assignment. And in the proper season, it produces a harvest right on time. No seed, no harvest. Little seed, little harvest. If you're content with that, that's fine. But the bigger the seed, the, more big, the bigger would be what? The harvest. I just have to be patient now. Seed, time, harvest. But my seed, see, carries with it an instruction. It's my obedience. It's my act of obedience. And that instruction has with it tied to it an assignment. And that assignment, only the seed really knows how to carry out. So by faith, I release my obedience to what God says to do. So if God tells me tomorrow, I need you to call so-and-so, why? Just encourage them. With what? Just, just when you get there, I'll, I'll, I'll tell And I've had to do this before. I didn't have a word for them. Nothing, but felt led to call and felt like God wanted me to do it. And I did, and, and, I, I, and I was surprised. And, and, and it was w wonderful to see the things that came out of my mouth in the moment of the conversation that I didn't have just five minutes before that. So God not only did bless them, but was blessing me, but then I'll look back and I'll see things where God has actually honored me with something. Something manifested or broke my life, and God will say, I want to thank you for this. I want to thank you for that. The little things you forgot about, I didn't forget about, they were what? Those seeds were in the ground and they carried with it an instruction and an assignment to bring you a harvest you didn't even know you had. 